Hello, you are listening to Basically, and I am Stephanie Preisner. In this week's episode, I wanted to understand direct provision. So I'm speaking to Ellie Kisiyumbe, who lived in direct provision for far too many years, about what the experience was like, her hopes for how it could be managed in the future, and I guess on a broader scale about the Irish implications and the Irish responsibility and reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement. You'll all have seen your Instagram feeds and your Twitter feeds fill up in response to the murder of George Floyd in the States. And it's very easy when something becomes such a huge online issue to get behind it and to black out your Instagram. But in a more uncomfortable truth, In Ireland, we have an issue with racism that is not so systemic in the police force, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a problem with it and that it isn't a huge issue in our our country. So here is my conversation with Ellie. Um, So I'm going to ask you some questions. Yeah. There are no unaskable questions, yeah. but there may be plenty of ones that you don't want to answer. Yeah. And that's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So for people who don't know you, Ellie, will mm-hmm. you just give just us a bit of background? Myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Ellie Kisiombe and I am from I, I am from Malawi. I should say so a bit. If I say I was born in Malawi, not I am from Malawi, but I was born in Malawi okay. and uh, um, I live there. Um uh, with my parents and you know like my family unfortunately enough I had to lose both of my parents and uh, almost a decade ago I found myself moving to Ireland to seek asylum so I've been in Ireland for almost a decade and uh, I've been in a process of asylum uh, seeking and then while my process for my application was going through with the Department of Justice I was residing in accommodation called direct provision Okay. So, yeah, so I've been in direct provision for uh, almost all the time that I've lived in Ireland. And I just came back, I just came out of direct provision. Uh, we'll be now like four months, four, five. We are in June, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be like uh, June is six, yeah? So six months. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's exactly. a bit to unpack there. I might just mm-hmm. take you back. Yeah. Um, so when you were in Malawi, mm-hmm. So what age, if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. what age you were when you when you had to leave Malawi? Uh, I lived Malawi in my uh, should be late should be my early thirties. Okay, yeah, should so be like my, that's the age I so, am now. Yeah, so like uh, yeah, should be my early or late twenties. Yeah, should be my early thirties. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah, mm-hmm. because. Yeah. I just try and put mm-hmm. myself in that position. Mm-hmm. Like, I mm-hmm. don't feel like I would be yeah. <laughs> capable of dealing with something yeah. so yeah. major. Yeah, sure. And so when you seek asylum, mm-hmm. some of the terminology is a little bit confusing. Yeah. Is yeah. asylum the same as seeking refuge or being a refugee or are those two things? Yeah. Okay. So like uh, you asked me of when I was coming down here, like my age. So I have to be... Uh, I have to be uh, not not saying honest enough, but I have to speak about like my growth. I really grow. I really grew up in a very very uh, nice. Uh, 
a like loving f- parents and yeah. you know like I traveled before I went uh they sent me away to study and before the tragedy that took me to Ireland right okay and then you know like I went back not I went back I went back home and at that time because like I'm coming from a very very political background like, were you studying so in Malawi much. yeah so I studied in Malawi and I also studied all other parts of the world okay yeah so and I went back to uh, Malawi uh, I went back to Malawi because I lost my uh, not only my parents because my parents had died before so I lost my uncle that was actually there who was like a pillar of one of our family so okay. the situation was just very very complex so and you know like at that time I couldn't stay in Malawi because there were so much things that could have taken my life my life was under threat my family life was under threat my children and all of that so you know like I had to leave Malawi again so yes. and at that time the only place that I could move faster from Malawi to get to was with the people that they were helping me to travel it was Ireland because at that time Ireland did not have a visa to okay. get to 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 come through from Malawi or to go to Malawi. So did you know anything time, about Ireland or No, so like I, I if I say like I didn't know a lot about Ireland it might be it's it's very confusing yes. like for me because I knew Ireland but I knew Ireland as an island as northern Ireland oh, because okay. of the trouble and all of that so that's what Ireland is and even basically we've had a lot of Irish people in Malawi but we never separated that there is a republic and, and there is a, a north. there is a northern Ireland but when you talk of Ireland you're just talking of the the both island yes. and to my understanding I think that's something that I really had on. so when they said so, that you could go to Ireland yeah, so were you, you a bit could, yeah shocked? exactly so when I was like Okay, you could go to Ireland. I was like, mm, you know, <laughs> what's the is that the what's safest the, place? Yeah, is that the safest place because we've heard about troubles and all of the bombs and all of the stuff like that. And uh, Ireland, and no, 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 Ireland is in two ways. So there is a Republic of Ireland and there is a Northern Ireland, right. which is a British state. Right. So I was like, ah, okay, but it's also like a safe country. It's a very quiet there. And with the Irish people that I've actually seen in Malawi, like I wouldn't even think twice because like even my parents were married by my my my, my parents, which is my uncle that raised me after the death of my my mom and dad. They were married by a priest called Father John. He's from Galway. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I've even now find out about from Galway, like from where he is, but I knew that he's from Ireland, you know, because okay. like in Malawi, we have a lot of white fathers and, you know, oh, missionary yeah, priests. Missionary priests, yeah. So they're Irish, many of them yeah. are Irish. So at that time, like, you know, I, I know I knew Father John and, you know, like I was like, oh, okay, that's Ireland. So I didn't know like the two, yes. how to separate the two. But what I knew at that time, and I think even I couldn't even think too much about the two because at that time I was in a situation whereby I have to leave you Malawi. No so, you know, like when you don't have any choice, but you understand that this is a place whereby you can actually go there and seek safety. It's like, I'll see when I get there. Yes. You know, like, so. And is how, it like a person that's helping you or an agency to get to Ireland or how does that, that how it, did that work? Yeah. So it's like, People that works with agents, you know, oh, right, like okay. agents, yeah. So they know like places to go and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's somebody that has connections to that agents. And unfortunately enough, it's just like, okay, will you do this? You have to do this. You're being getting, you know, like advised and all of that. And everything is not straightforward. So yeah, as long as you know that You're at the end of this, safe. it's going to be a safe thing to do. So yeah, so that's what I did. And I moved over. Uh, I, I came over, you know, like uh, to, I, I, I left Malawi and I went 
other part of Africa. And I stayed there for like two, three months. And then from there, it's when I had to get back into Malawi so I can fly to, to Ireland. Ireland after I had, you know, like figured out, we had figured out the way of how I can get out. So that's what really happened at that time. So I go to Ireland. And, then and when you arrive, like, do you have, because I imagine like the people mm-hmm. that have left <laughs> Ireland, they're may, like, they're more economic migrants, yes. people who go yeah. to Australia yeah. for a better for life where, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Are you arriving with luggage, lots of bags? How- yeah, so like, uh, you know, they, they have to be ways of how you can access. You, you can't just come because you can actually just pack your bags and come here and then find out that you're stuck. You know, like okay. find out that, you know, maybe you won't be even able to to get through and stuff like that. So the people that helps you, they help you to, to find a way that you should be, they, at least they should make you enter the, yes. the, the safest country. Okay. So like they had to actually get me, still there were no like paperwork for Malawi, like you have to go to embassy and apply whatever, but there were another way which was a little bit easier to do that it was like you could come as if you're going to study right okay so like there's another way that you could actually done that yes. so that that give you a safer space to actually absolutely get through and then you figure it everything once you get in okay. so yeah so like in my situation things were like that you came so, as a student yeah so yeah so exactly but i did seek asylum just immediately a few weeks after i arrived, you arrived. In yeah, yeah exactly so Anyway, I had to get here and, uh, you know, I had to figure out and uh, I've lived some parts of the world, like in Europe before and uh, like in Ireland, it was really, really quiet and I had to start like finding communications and connections from uh, people that actually I knew, not, but in Ireland, I didn't know anybody. And at that time, I was... Is there really an sick. embassy, like yeah. a Malawian embassy? No, there's no Malawi embassy in Ireland. It's okay. in the UK. Right. right. Yeah. But anyway, you just have to find contacts with people like to advise you like what you should do and stuff like that. But anyway, within a few weeks, I figured it out. And then, you know, like I started my process. So it was very, very compli- complicated. And one thing it is asylum seeking, it's not like a very straightforward issue. It's very, it's very, complex. very complicated. And you have to get it right because like there is so much fear of you and the process of how this is going to get done. Is it going to backfire? Is it going to get through? You know, things like that. And so so if it backfires, you get deported. Yeah, you get deported. Okay. You know, so things like that. So anyway, I had to figure out all of that, which is, uh, I can't go in details about that because of some situations. Okay. So yeah, exactly. So I had to figure out that. And then, you know, like I started my process and then, you know, it's when I found myself in direct provision. So does that... I, you don't have to say whatever is is yeah. is yeah. Um, delicate, but mm-hmm. so you engage. Is it the Department of Justice? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and then how do they? At what like is it a phone call on a day that says, okay, your application is in process. Now you need to go to this center, or how do you get to the actual direct provision center? No. So what you have to do is like you have to present yourself to the office of a uh, refugee application, which okay. is OLAC. Yeah. So it's a office of Office Office of Refugee, uh, yeah, Refugee Application, whatever it is, yeah. So you have to present yourself there, yes, okay. which is the Department of Justice. So you have to be fully there, yes. like fully physically Standing there. there. Yeah. And then, you know, like you go there and you come, like I've come to seek asylum, right? And this is my situation. Many more people can actually do it straight away when they arrive at the airport, which is, it, it's circumstantial, right? Yes. That, because like some people even get scared to seek straight away at the airport because that you have 
99.99% of even actually being sent back because you can be allowed to land or you can be refused to land. It's called allowed or refused to land. So okay. if they refuse you to land, that means you won't even have an opportunity to even get in and seek asylum, right? And are they so, making that decision just based on your story or what you say? I think that's what, what works there. Okay, right? Right. So that's what works there between you and the caseworker that actually took you upon your case. So it's very, very complicated and it's scary. Like, it's really scary. The like, stakes uh, are very high. Yeah, the stakes are very high. So like, uh, like I hear people say like, oh, they're liars. Oh, you're lying and what and what. But you have to understand like the stakes are very high. And these are people that are coming to seek safety. And you have your life in a ball, right? Yeah. That if you, if you break it, you're done. If you may, I mean, if you hold it tight, you get through. So you really have to make brave decisions there. Yes. Right. Okay. So whatever is going to make you survive, that's you what do. you're going to do. So you presented yeah. yourself to the department. Yeah, exactly. So you present yourself to the department. So when you d present yourself to the department, you are allowed under Geneva Convention to be listened to. So okay. here in Ireland, the process is very slow. It's not like very quick like other countries like UK, Germany and all of that. So in UK, the good thing is like they give you opportunity to present your, your, your case and then start, you know, like processing it. So in that situation here in, in Ireland, it can take from that day you actually start asking your asylum to up to 10 years. In your case, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. So it can actually take to that. And so yeah. where... So then they say, we can give you accommodation. Yeah, so so from there, they'll ask you, do you have a place to stay? Which it's 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 normally like... No, no. Like why would you have a why place to stay? Why would you have stay? a place to stay once if you actually do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Some even come without shoes. Some yes. come without even clothes. Some some just come with themselves. So like, where are you going to start from? Yes. You know, so like with that, and then you're going to take it into accommodation, uh, emergency accommodation center, which is the first step, which in that time we used to have one, which is in Baseskin. But now because of the number of people that Ireland is seeing now, now I don't know how many reception centers we have. So where but, was your one? So that was in behind the airport. It's called in St. Margaret's Road. It's called Baseskin Reception Center. Okay. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so when they said to you, do you have mm -hmm. a place to stay? And you mm -hmm. said no. Mm -hmm. And they said, we'll bring you to a center. Yeah. yeah. Were you, did you think, okay, this is good? Or were you a bit like, oh, that sounds. <clears throat> you know, like, uh, I think in that moment, you have no much choice. Your okay. choices are limited. The good thing is in Ireland, they leave you in a reception center, which is more, more a little bit open because you can be detained at the airport and stay in at the airport but because Ireland is one of the European countries you're not allowed to be detained so at least you won't be put into a detention but you can actually put into the reception center whereby you have access to go in and out but it's a controlled center okay yeah I want to talk to you for a second about UX design UX means user experience it's about how it feels to use an app or a website so when you use an app if it's got good UX design, you're not even going to notice it. But have you ever used an app that is just incredibly difficult to use and it's just so frustrating? That's poor UX design. And the UX designer is like the architect of the website or the app development. It's their job to plan every single part of the experience to make sure that someone who uses it finds it seamless and fun and easy to navigate. UX design is an exciting, creative and fun job that's actually really in demand at the moment. The UX Design Institute offers unique university credit rated online courses in UX. It's a professional diploma. 
and it's internationally recognized. If you'd like to learn more about UX or you're thinking of changing careers or you just want to get into that sort of design, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash basically. Can you talk me through what it was like to walk in? What like for people listening, like mm-hmm. try to build a picture mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. that reception center was like? So you moved in Baseskin Reception Center, which is behind the airport in St. Margaret's Road. And from there, you are registered. And there, there are guards and there are people that works for that center. And they allowed you to uh, uh, enter there and make you a temporary home for a few weeks because you're only there for like one to four weeks. Okay. And then from there, they'll give you a room. And in that room, it's not only you. If you're single, that means you're going to spend that room with one or four people in that room. And how many were in your room? Uh, mine, we were four of us. We were three of us. So yeah. on that day, or yes. were you in a different room for the first few weeks? No. So you, you just go straight into the same straight room that you're going to, to to stay with there. And years. unfortunately, in my case, I have to be honest, because of the longest, you're like, my case is like, we, the longest one, our cases have been like complicated as they can be. Yes. I've been in this reception center maybe like three or four times. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things are just not straightforward. Okay. So yeah. things change. So yeah, you were in exactly. this room with four other adults? Yeah, four other people. So were they all, f- where were they from? So from different countries. Okay. So it can be from non-speaking countries. English countries to speaking English countries to somebody that don't, doesn't even have a clue what you're talking about to them. Okay. So, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. And what was your, like, your particular, like, do you have, uh, is there a space? Is there a bed? Do you have a wardrobe? Yeah, is so there... you have a bed. So, like, everyone has a bed. It's their single beds. So, everyone has a bed. Mainly in, in a reception center, there are three people. Yeah. Okay. So, you have three beds there. So, everyone has a bed. And then you have like a wardrobe that's shared, a wardrobe that you can actually keep your space. You you can actually keep your clothes there. And another thing, sometimes you can even be really lucky that the people that you meet here, they become your family. Like for me, all the people that have actually stayed in the room together with, it's only one person that, I think two, that I've had like a bad, bad, uh, bad relationship with them. But it, because they had mental health issues. Yes, so like it was very, very hard for both of us. We are dealing with stress, but these people, they were like mentally, yes. mentally distracted. So yes. like uh, the other one was really meant that he wake us up. Uh, she wake us at, uh, she wake us up at night. She get a knife and wants to stab us. Like the other one she used to, you know, like she's spiritual. So she was spiritual in that she called herself a born again. So she wake up like, 12 p.m., 12 p.m., right? 12 midnight, right? So from 12 midnight, she'll start like, she's playing to God. Till 4 a.m. in time. She's speaking, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And so... I never forget. (laughs) Is she, like, at any point, are you ever... Like, is there people there who you can say, please, can I change They, they don't even really care. You know, sometimes they can't even actually do Like for me, in my situation with that lady, I think they were doing that deliberately to punish me. Why would they want to punish you? No, it's just like, I mean, like, I've been vocal when I was in direct provision. I've been vocal and I didn't take anything, right? So like, uh, when you become like that, you become a problem. So problem, they'll show you what it means to be a problem. Like that hostel, I don't want to mention it. They won't be nice to me, not even nice to me. And they make sure they bring every trouble so that I can do something stupid. Okay, so yeah. to mess up your yeah. application. Mm-hmm. To mess up, yeah, just to mess up my whole mental health. 
So then you wake up in the morning in yeah. this place, yeah. having maybe not slept. What yeah. do you there do? There are details like now that I don't like to release them for, for my, not, not like for my sanity, because I know like one day I will have, because I have receipts of everything. Yes. So like, I know like there'll be a time where, but because like still now I'm still kind of like finding myself. Unfortunately, it. I've just said these things, but I, you know, like there are things that happens in there that they're so, they, they're so nasty and so evil. So evil. I'll call it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And do you believe, so what do you, how do you fill your time? Like, what, are you allowed to get a job? No, so like in my time, we were time whereby, that's why I became to start campaigning for, to end direct provision. Okay. So like my time, it was not a time whereby we had third level education, nor even access to work, nor even uh, 38 euro allowance. We were like in the time where direct provision was direct provision. So, so the money that people were getting was 19 euro 10. There was nothing much to do in the center other than just stay there, sleep in your room, wake up in the morning, watch a little bit of telly, go back and have wake up in the morning, have di have lunch, have breakfast, go watch a bit of telly, go back and sleep, have a little bit of telly. If you're a woman, Man, and if you not control yourself, that means you'll be just taking advantage of people. You go into prostitution and all of that. So, like the way, so much craziness, like so much craziness. It's is there any sort of um, services for to help people's mental health when they're in that situation? Things now are changing, but in those days, I would say I would tell you like no, they want none. Okay, yeah, because you like when you are talking to me about direct provision. Bear with you that I've seen a lot of it. Yes. Like I'm coming from it when it was direct provision to when it is becoming more loosened up. So, so like I will have different story with somebody that has been like one year, two year, three years, four years in direct provision. But yeah. it, things are changing a lot of because of your activism, because of. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so like now things are changing. Thank God. You know, like yeah. we've seen like little changes. And as you, I don't know if you're aware, uh, we're aware about that. We've just heard a word from the government to say in the next life of government, we won't have direct provision. So I'm just even really longing and looking forward to that day. Yeah. yeah? I read that in the program for yeah. government, which is why I yeah. wanted to mm. get a sense because I think Ireland has a particular mm strength yeah for for burying things yeah you know for end, exactly for ending things under the carpet under the carpet let's and i want to let's move on we are okay <laughs> to understand what yeah. it, first of all what yeah. it was like let's say 10 years ago when you mm -hmm. started mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what it's like now so mm -hmm. you're saying that now mm -hmm. there are some yeah. services mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. how much do people earn per week now when they're or, or how much do they receive so now they receive 38 euros a week and uh, they... Um, 38 euros a yeah, week. Yeah, 38 Italy. euros a week. And now they can access employment, which is uh, after nine months. If you haven't heard anything from the Justice Department, you can access employment, which you can work. And also are uh, like uh, now at least people within one to three years, they're being able to hear their results and their case being processed and getting uh, a residency. So at least, at least, at least, at least there is hope there. There is hope, but yeah. it's still kind of a yeah. shocking vista yeah. that you paint. And so, mm -hmm. like, do you, sorry if these questions are mm -hmm. kind of offensively basic, mm -hmm. but I don't know enough and I should. Are you allowed to leave on a daily basis? Can you leave in the morning, go to town? Yeah. 
So like in the morning basis you can leave and go to town and then but you don't even need to leave like uh, I was in one of the centers one of this week and uh, because like uh, you know like it's been refugee week so we've been yes. doing a lot of our uh, go club lunches so what we decided because of the covid-19 we felt like we don't need people to come all of them in numbers to Christchurch Cathedral so what we decided we just decided to do like kind of like lunch delivery you know like takeout delivery so like i was in one of the centers and i found this the way like arguing like with the manager with one of the resident that's not been in their center for a while and they were like okay we are going to send you out we are going to take out your place so yeah so there is that vulnerability of you know when always you're not the in the threat. center always the threat of like you can you can lose your accommodation and all of that yeah So that fear and mm-hmm. I guess like these when you go when you're already so vulnerable when you come to yeah. a direct provision yeah. center I think what's really hard what I'm hearing that sounds hard to listen to is mm-hmm. that you're already so vulnerable and then you are treated mm-hmm. almost as if you are being opportunistic yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you 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 said that you had children? Yeah, you have. Yeah, were yeah. they with you at no, that point? When I was coming, they went with me, but they joined me later. Okay, yeah. And how was that situation living with children in that? Uh, it was very, very hard. It, like my children, they were really lucky. I'll be honest with you, because when my children they they were coming, I've advanced. You know, I've actually been like really a setter, a setter activists I'm okay. a little bit known and uh at that time I despite whatever it is cuz like I have like I speak everything like I don't say this is the government policy this is the the government policy this is the way they they the the, the department and its policies they treat people like me but also there are also people in there that also maybe they're there for jobs and all of that they also feel like they have like a sense of humanity in them right yeah so like her uh, At that time I was moved from a direct provision center which is was a a a, a hotel space mm-hmm. and then I had moved to a safe catering space so which is a flat so right? you had like a kitchen yeah so I had a kitchen so I had a home like two bedroom flats with a kitchen and it was more a house and uh, my kids they were really lucky that when they were coming they found me in that space so okay. yeah so They were really lucky for those few years that they come, but then eventually we found ourselves moved again to go back to Baseskin, where now they lived into the uh, uh, direct provision hotel, hotel space. Why would you be moved? Why do things change just because of complications with your application, or is it policy? No, so like uh, you know, like when you're in direct provision, you are not aligned, or you are not. Uh, how can I, what what's the language to use? You are not. You are not sure, not only sure, but you are not being told that you're going to be here for all the okay, five, ten, six years you're going to be here, right? Yeah. You can be moved tomorrow. You can be moved yesterday. You can be there for 20 minutes and then the next 10 minutes you are somewhere. Okay. So like, so uh, there's no you, certainty. You, you're not guaranteed, yeah, certainty yeah. or guaranteed, right? So you're not guaranteed that you're going to be there for the for, for as long as you live. So like in my situation, that's the same situation that happened. So in 2018, we found out that the place was being shut down and then we had to be moved so i was being moved to dundalk so at that time you know yourself i've kind of like built our table and we are very like we've got roots here and i also have built a base in, in in dublin and you know like you can't just carry me out like a, like a like, like a basket of potato and then dump me wherever you want mm-hmm. to dump me so like 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 that i really took a, a, like a rough battle i was like i'm not moving out of direct provision i'm i mean i'm not moving out of dublin if you want to leave me in dundalk You can go to Dundalk, but for me, 
find me a space and my kids to live. So they couldn't provide the same accommodation that I had because the same accommodation that I had was in Dundalk. Because like those self-catering spaces, they are only they were only Dublin and Dundalk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like they said, okay, we've given you a house in Dundalk. And I was like, you know what? I'm in direct provision for a very, very long time. And people that live in a in, in accommodation center like direct provision, they're people like me, right? Yeah. So you leave me anywhere where you want to leave me. There is Hatcho that time there was Hatcho in uh in Dublin, is it Dublin one or Dublin two? Uh in the near, city center. Yeah, in city center yeah. there was Hatcho. And then there was Klondakin. I couldn't go back to Klondakin anyway for many, many reasons. And then uh it's when uh they said, Okay, we have a space in Baseskin. Which in Baseskin because it's a major accommodation center. So they have other accommodation centers that they were bu- built in like more of a family unit. Okay. So like it was easy because my kids now are teens. So it was easy that me I could share with my daughter and my son could have his own private space and then we could use the other one as a sitting space. So yeah, and a shower, although he didn't have a kitchen. So yeah, so I was happy to actually move there. And mm. do you think that ha- I'm sure you have other uh, knowledge, I guess, of of how other countries do mm-hmm. it, because now yeah. that the government yeah. have said they're yeah. going to end direct provision, mm-hmm. what are other <clears> ways <throat> that it could look like? You know, like uh, if we talk about Germany, um, um, England, although England is not something that I can even also like yeah. compare with Ireland. I should not even that. But anyway, just in terms of like, if your case is going on well in England, so you you're being given accommodation in a in a community. Right, so you live in a community. You live with a community, so that means at least you are already integrated in that community. Yes. Because if you can live in a in a community that people are very more welcomed, they don't even realize that you are an asylum seeker. So they'll just take you as a resident that moved there and you live there. And that's how a lot of people they've coped to actually yes. live there because communities has actually supported them and and helped them to move on with their family. I know there they get is also little money and you know like uh, there's so much going on but at least that when when it comes to integration you have part of the integration right okay. so we are talking of like germany germany which is also has a fair system that you know when you moved there after certain months they get a job and if you got like uh, good qualification they can even match you up a job of that Okay. Uh, qualifications. They get you apprenticeship. They get you. Uh, uh, they also get you like uh, work, what do, work, work experience and stuff like that. So people do move in quickly, and do, people do move in without you know like uh, any problem. And then you can start. You can get a job, and you can start. Uh, so they're not segregated. Yeah, from the they're community. not segregated from the communities, right? And then if you talk of Austria, although there's so much issues in Austria, but also in Austria you can actually get in the system. You get a you get a proper money. They give you all the money to pay for your rent and to pay for your food and to do everything so like these are countries that are also doing really like let's let's trash uk but these are countries that are, they're doing something and they've not only doing something but they've even actually host a lot of refugees from around the world and what are the biggest as an activist like what are mm. what are the biggest um obstacles that you come across what are what are people's oppositions mm-hmm. To this vision that you have for how mm-hmm. asylum seekers should be treated when they come into this country, from your experience, <laughs> you know, like to be to be an activist, it's not an easy thing. No, it's exhausting. It's, it's, it's exhausting, and you can get tired. Yeah. But one thing I always tell people is, don't be an activist or don't become one when you are not one. Yeah. Because you won't even survive. You won't even succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're alter egos. Right. And there are other people that they've never been activists. They've never even understand what it is to be an activism. 
They're speaking because there is a freedom of speech. So you really need to be someone that you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And not only you know what you're talking about, but also be a player to have solutions. You know, because if you are like, if you are speaking about the issue that you know better, you will be able to demonstrate how that issue can be can be handled. Yes. But if you want to be somebody that you speak about the issue, that you 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 speak the other and you do the other, you confuse everyone. And even yourself, you lose your alter ego. Yes. You understand, right? So be someone that you know exactly what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Not only passion, but you have it in you. Facts. Because like for me, I always feel like people that are true activists. I'm talking about like Nelson Mandela. I'm yeah. talking about Martin Luther King. There were people that they were born to be people of that, not made by anybody. So if you are somebody that you were born, you were born that person, you will do your right. You, you will do your work just right because you do it without anything. You do it with struggle and you will excel with anything that can comes in your way because it's just in you. It's that passion, it's that energy you carry and it's that charisma that you have. So like just being an activist. So when it comes to actually meeting obstacles you meet them and people who are like that are people that meet the obstacles because they're people that they know what they're doing and they have it and people don't like them that's why you see the nelson mandela they ended up 27 years in prison yeah the martin luther king they didn't survive the malcolm x they didn't survive because they had it and people knew what they were talking about the likes of me in Ireland, you've seen what has happened to me. So like, you know, like what things happened? like that. So, you know, like there's so much things that, you know, like comes in your way. So uh, I, we won't go there. We won't go there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's absolutely fine if you don't yeah. want to go there. But yeah. do, do you come up against the same arguments, I guess? Yeah, I do. Like I do come against, I do come against the same arguments. Yeah. Do you believe that they're founded in racism, fear? What, like, yeah, what is... I mean, like uh, there is always a fear of, uh, of unknown. Yes. Right. There is racism. And uh, I don't want to speak in a place of privilege because like this time with whatever it is coming in the world, I've actually to choose to be just speaking the truth yeah. about what's going on. One thing, if I don't know, like maybe because we don't know each other much, but one thing, if you had known and followed me, I've been really privileged in Irish community that I have integrated really well. I have made white Irish friends and 99.9% of my friends are white Irish people and I get on well with them because I, I'm someone who uh, I don't like the word of I don't see color that's not a good word right yes. but I'm talking to you as a me. human yeah we're human beings we breed lead blood so you know like we are all same so yeah. like that's how I look at you right so if I look at you you are my friend so whatever comes in our way we deal with every issue you and I, yeah, head on, right? So, like, that's how I've seen myself. So, so I've actually carried myself really well in a way that, can I say, like, I've carried myself really well? No, but I've actually had a relationship that they've carried really well in that equation, and uh, I don't see that. So, if you come on with something, I want, like, oh, you know, she's actually, no, 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 there's no cash or crash here, there is humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can talk things like through, not like, okay, because the culture, I don't understand you culturally. Oh, you know, because of your color. No, that's what racist is. Racism is. Racism is when you see color. Racism is when you see culture crush. Because like, there is no that thing there. There is human to human people. Like, and you can just talk like, okay, you are racist, you are racist, blunt, you are racist. You know, you, you are racist. And you don't need to handle situations like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Because this conversation... um there's a global conversation happening at the yeah. moment around Black Lives yeah. Matter mm -hmm. and it's a very um, 
it's a nuanced conversation that is that is sometimes difficult to have. Mm-hmm. I think because it came out of George Floyd's death, yeah. what I've seen is a lot of people focusing mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. America. Yeah. And I think that police brutality mm-hmm. against black people seems to be a particularly American issue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but racism and mm-hmm. xenophobia is mm-hmm. not an American issue. And we have, like, while accounts of racism in Ireland might be different. So if we say that police brutality seems to be like an American issue, it's because maybe sometimes we don't understand, we don't go through the numbers and we don't we, we don't actually do that. Like I didn't have like the, uh, the I don't want to go there because I don't have the right numbers on my paper. And so I don't want to say just things that. Sure, yeah. You know, like, but when it comes to racism, when it comes to police brutality, when it comes to institu- institutional racism, it's everywhere. And in Ireland, it's one of those countries that has institutional racism before even we go to the public racism. Yes. Right? There is direct provision. Direct provision. That? That's what there I... There was Magdalene Londo. What are you calling that? Yes. Right? So if we are talking about racism, it is here and it's huge. And we are starting from the top, top, top before even going to people. Because if the top can create re- direct provision, can create Magdalene laundry, right? It, what, what does it tell its society? That that is acceptable. That you, that you, is... You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. What, is, what it is telling its society. So like now in America, we have a problem of police brutality. And now what do we have? We don't even have a leader in America. Yeah. So... The f- the head, what is that? A fish rots from the head down or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like it, it just sums up everything. But I think particularly with direct provision, what shocked me is that Mm. Ireland, Irish people represent themselves abroad as this diedly idly, cave me in your fault, uh, 40 shades of welcoming people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. what we're doing is shafting people into a reception centre. And 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 another thing that you have to understand, 33% of American populations are Irish. (laughs) This is past Stephanie. I think she got a little bit confused here and I think she meant 33 million rather than 33%. It's an easy mistake to make. We've gone everywhere. So, so what are you doing? We have so gone like, and everywhere. And these are the white people there that even are. Like I was just having an, a conversation with a friend of mine who is Irish that lives in America. And he said, you know what? I am disgusted. I am disgusted because I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted because I am an American. I'm, I'm an Irish American. And even people that are racist here, I know they're Irish people. You understand? Yeah. Because they make 33. It's a huge number, man. It's a whole third, yeah. And <laughs> if, yeah. So now you have Irish citizenship. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. So I have Irish residents at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for, I know you have a lot of Irish friends and, yeah. you know, 99% of them are white Irish. Mm-hmm. Is there... There has to be part of you that's like, I think it's asking a lot of magnanimity of you to forget mm-hmm. how Irish people have treated you here. How yeah. how do you overcome that? Um, It's not an easy thing. And like, even like what you're saying, like I'm in a country, like my mother country now, it's a country that it's, it's genius of brushing things under the carpet. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm also becoming one of the genius of like brushing things under the carpet. I think there is other racism that I don't overlook it. Like I don't kind of like, okay, let me put fewer on this, you know, like 
let, let me just fire. slide the, yeah. the, 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 the racism because it's not I don't get any if you can go on my Twitter I get like a lot of trash like I get a lot of like even a few days ago I was even just talking about that like uh, I had like all this stuff like talking over me and you know like some people just sending some stuff there you know like on Facebook and talking and calling me like a uh, uh, social warfare squam and stuff like that I've been in direct provision for a long time I've come out within just eight months after I got my status, instead of people looking at me and appreciating that, I want to be one of you guys. And this is what I wanted. I didn't come here to squander the government. Yes. I didn't come here to to fish out everything that I can. But I want to be a citizen that I want to be a responsible citizen that I want to pay tax I want to economically contribute to the to the to the society I want to build like greater communities sustainable communities someone is actually writing something on my 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 twitter and like oh irish people are, oh, oh you you are you are a scam irish people are coming here i mean irish people are struggling to get a home yes. and you are a scam do you know what it means to get out of direct provision and find a home or move out of direct provision. It's not easy. So if I've actually made that within a space of eight months, you should actually understand me that I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be a victim. You know what I mean? I want to be a responsible citizen. So if it's an issue, then where can I do, what, what can I do right? I think with those people, you can't do anything right. Exactly. They're just going <laughs> to want to find fault. And yeah. I... Those people have issues with every single thing. Yeah. That's not to excuse them yeah. by any means. Do a lot of people, what happens if you don't get out of direct provision? Like what can happen that isn't your story? How can other people's stories end? Yeah, I mean, it can stay end like people get deportations, right? Even after being in direct provision for years? Yeah, people do. Like people, have, they've got deportations after eight years. Oh my God. Yeah, people, they've got deportations after seven years. Like I said, like cases are very, very complicated. But if they've been in direct provision yeah. at Dublin Airport yeah. for seven years yeah. and then they get shipped back to, I don't know, Malawi, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. They have nothing yeah. there either no, they because have they've nothing been there. Like you, They've lost a lot of time like somewhere and those things do happen. So it yeah. doesn't seem very humane. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really hope that the new government stick to what they have I hope proposed so. to. Yeah. And I hope so. And it's only not just proposed to, but alternatively, what it is alternatively. Yeah, you know, because do they have a vision it's, it's, for it's, that? It's, it's, like that's what now we have to have a vision. A like, vision for we have to have start the gov ask the government like okay, there is like this is a very good like hopeful and I just have to say to the it's not like every time we just like accuse like me I'm not someone like that I'm a very collective uh like human rights activist that. Yeah. I want to see positive and it's not only like only want to see positive, but if you want to make a change, you have to be, en you have to be able to bed with your enemy a little bit. Yes. You know what I mean? Because like, like uh, you want to make change. But if I'll be just like, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Then where is the change coming from? Yeah. You have to work with the yeah. establishment you, for you change. You have to work with establishment for a change. So we are saying like the government, thank you very much. Because this is like. This my, is a big deal. Like this. This is like my 20 years boyfriend and. Waking up tomorrow and say like, I'm going to marry you. Not one day, but very soon in six months. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then. So we need to start planning exactly the wedding now. The wedding. Yeah. And you'll be like, what? <laughs> we definitely need to. Like, and we definitely need to. So like, this is exactly what it is. Like, this is exactly that. We are going to end direct provision in the next life of the government. And that now we have a streamline.
So the next government, the next life of government, it's when? It's about how many? About five years. Yeah, about five years. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about five years. That's so amazing. at least uh, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be like, in five years, we don't have this. It can be two months. It can be a year. It can be three days. It can be two years. We don't have it. And you know how, how so? so for people listening, mm-hmm. how can we, because one thing that is difficult to do in this country and in any country mm-hmm. is to hold the government to account once yes, they exactly. are in. Yeah. How can people, if they are moved by this, mm-hmm. as they should be, mm-hmm. to wanting to make a change for direct provision, yeah. to end it, mm-hmm. how can they help? So now we have to start pushing, now yes. speaking to the TDs, writing to the TDs. Okay, so your local and TD. And we have to start with thanking them because yes. this is not what we expected. So do not be like, complaining to yeah, them. Start with thanking no, we them. Have, no, no, we have not to complain to them because complain or arguing, it's not going to help us. But now we have to say like, thank you so much. This is what we've been expecting. Then what's the timeline? What's the streamline? What what's is, your plan? What, what's the alternative? What's the plan? What's your vision? Yeah, okay. what's your vision? Do you think that they will get people like you to to come up with that vision because you have lived through it? Or do you think that activism activists will be um, kept out of that? <laughs> you know, like they, their government don't work with people that they know that, you know, like I've actually seen that. I don't know if I'm wrong or if I'm right, but they don't like uh, they don't make you like. You don't Include. win. Yes, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't win. But at the end of the day, we win. Okay, so, we yeah. win. So whatever they want to do it, like for me, if they can lay out something that's going to be substantial, something that's going to give people dignity, something that's going to that, that, that's gonna help people to have a dignified future that everyone wants, I'm good. We're good with that. Okay. Yeah. So get on to your local yeah. TDs, guys. <laughs> uh, thank them. Uh, ask them what the plan is and keep... If people be- if, if the government believes that this is a voting issue, that they will lose or win votes based on this issue, yeah. they will yeah. do something about it. So mm-hmm. keep on your TDs. Yeah. Keep on, keep on the TDs and make sure you don't vote anybody. And when they come on your door, don't let them talk about racism. Don't talk about like like uh, migration. Don't <coughs> let them talk that. Tell them that I know all of that. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to sort this situation? Because these people are here and these people are going to live here. Look at me. I spend a lot of time in direct provision. You know, like maybe somebody could think like, oh, she'll be deported. I ended up here. You know what I mean? And yeah. then if I was like somebody that... Like my time has been really hard or now I'm mentally, distra- I'm, I'm mentally distracted. Like I'm, I'm, I'm mentally decapitated. What was going to be like now? Like yeah. I'm not going to be a good citizen in the community. I'm going to be a problem. So we want to so, make that face for yeah. them as good and healthy yeah. as possible so yeah. that they are able yeah. to, be to be citizens, citizens that we want to want. have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ellie, thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> this has been amazing. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. As ever, if you've made it to the end, I'm very grateful. If you would like to leave us a review or rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I would be endlessly grateful. Also, if you could just recommend it to a friend, that would be great. Let me know what you thought of it on Instagram. You can find me at Stephanie Preisner. And have a great week. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.